Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 64 of If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking. I'm your host, Archie Mitchell, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is going to be a very good episode because we had a lot of great wrestling action, and we've actually added a little bit more content to the page. Why? Why have we added content to the show? Well, because it's important to keep the show going, build it, and make it better every single week. Uh, Tonight we will have our normal quick hits. We will have a new segment called the Highlight Reel, where I will run down the happenings of both Raw and SmackDown, the best of the best from both those shows. We will speak about Heat Wave. We will speak about AEW Dynamite, House of Dragons, and we will have Grinds My Gears. Now, my apologies, because NWA does have to take a little bit of a back seat tonight. I was not able to watch the NWA Power episode this week, and I didn't just want to skim through it and give you a, a you know a BS review. It will be back next week, and we will continue to beef up the show. So, what I want you to do, though, as always, go ahead, crack open your favorite frosty beverage, and get ready because it's time for some quick hits. And our first quick hit this week, Shawn Michaels promoted to vice president in charge of talent and development. This, to me, is a very exciting happening in the WWE right now, ladies and gentlemen, because Shawn Michaels has been with the WWE over 30 years. He has been in tag teams, starting out with Marty Jannetty and the Rockers. He has then had an incredible mid-card solo career as the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, the sexy boy with Sherry Martell. And then he made it all the way to the main event of WrestleMania 12, where he claimed the world heavyweight title, the boyhood dream. So he knows what it's like to see a character developing and help to develop characters in this business. (coughs) Excuse me. Triple H, yes, is Sean's best friend. And, hey, in this business, nepotism counts. Now, I'm not knocking it, ladies and gentlemen. What I'm saying is is that when you want to get the job done, when you want to have the absolute best in your company running things and making things go better, who better than your best friend? Who better than the showstopper, the icon, Mr. WrestleMania himself, Shawn Michaels. Now, Shawn has been doing this in NXT for the last few years, and although he wasn't completely involved with NXT 2.0, he was still running the day-to-day and trying to keep things afloat as Vince McMahon and Tony, uh, Nick Khan, excuse me, were making some uh, waves and problems by firing everybody. So Sean is, is very uh, well abreast to getting new talent over, helping them develop their skills, their promos ability, and their in-ring talent. So I honestly feel that this was the best absolute choice. The only one better, in my opinion, would have been The Undertaker. And I do not think The Undertaker is looking for an office job these days, ladies and gentlemen. He's having too much fun during his retirement, going to UFC events, going to other events, making these uh, wonderful documentaries that he's been doing, telling us more about him. So, (coughs) with that said, congratulations to Shawn Michaels. I am happy to see that Triple H is once again promoting with people that he knows deserve the job. Quick hit number two. Backstage heat in AEW is growing more and more, causing CM Punk to almost show no-show last week's Dynamite. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, you may be wondering, well, what, what is this heat? What's going on exactly? And here's what exactly is going down. Basically, Tony Khan hiring CM Punk caused him to push to the wayside uh, Colt Cabana, who was CM Punk's longtime best friend. And in doing so, it has caused other talent to become upset. Now, apparently, Colt Cabana was on the verge of quitting AEW because he knows that as long as Punk is there, he's never really going to get a push anymore. He's not going to be anything except for a comedy routine with the Dark Order. I know that that sucks. I'm not blaming CM Punk, though, because those two have probably not had another word since their lawsuit against WWE, and then they're falling out after the lawsuit in which Punk attempted to ask Colt Cabana to pay half of the legal fees, even though he said he would do so and help his friend out. Colt Cabana is not at fault at this either. The fault lies with Tony Khan. And again, I'm not Tony bashing. I'm, I'm not that type. I'm an AEW fan. But Tony Khan should have brought all these people into a room and had them hash out these details before hiring CM Punk. Because the likes of now Adam Page, John Moxley, the entire Dark Order, and many other talents are very upset that in hiring CM Punk, it has alienated other talent. And although CM Punk is doing well for them and is their world heavyweight champion, it is causing Tony Khan to not look at other stars and other talent to evaluate them the right way. Now, Tony did his best. We talked about it last week and the week before. He is putting together a group to help with creative and help with the day-to-day basics of talking to talent. But, and this is a big but, ladies and gentlemen, Tony Khan may have been a little too little too late with this and should have done this months ago. If CM Punk is going to no-show an event, which he didn't, thank God, and he was there this week as well, it could cause a lot of problems. If there's going to be backstage fighting, arguing, or any animosity, if it's going to lead into promos, it's not going to be good. Yeah, we're going to love the promos because we love the dirt and we like to see when wrestlers try to bury each other out there in a promo or a pipe bomb. But it's not going to do anybody any good in regards to how they're feeling against each other. And then as we've seen in the past with wrestlers coming to blows backstage, Batista and Booker T, Chris Jericho and Brock Lesnar, these are kind of problems that need to get fixed and fixed quickly. So I think Tony Khan needs to take all of these egos and put them in one room, talk to them, and see exactly what can be done in order to fix this situation. Because if not, then we may see wrestlers quit, get fired, or worse, not used. You look at Colt Cabana, he has not been being used. And when he said he was going to quit the company, Tony Khan scrambled and told Colt, I will put you in the ROH side of things because you are very familiar with Ring of Honor and you can do a world of good there. So that helped, but it's now made matters worse. So, Tony, you need to fix this before some of your bigger stars, even some of your mid-card guys, or even some of your guys that are on dark and elevation end up going bye-bye and possibly going back to the E or somewhere else because they do once again have options. Moving on to our next segment, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the highlight reel. And as I mentioned last week, this was done in order for me to be able to talk about Raw and SmackDown without fully adding reviews yet to the show. 
Uh, it is a lot going on with both Raw and SmackDown, a lot of changes happening, a lot of new things. And I'd love to talk about them in their entirety and be able to bring them onto this show completely. But I have to see about time management and see exactly what I could do. So, of course, the highlight reel is going to be here to help us in doing so for the time being. Could be short, could be longer. You never know. So, highlight reel of Monday Night Raw. Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens. Their promo beforehand was fantastic. Kevin Owens showing his new side or his older ways uh, and even paying homage to uh, Owen Hart. Drew McIntyre dropping the oh-so-amazing line of, we're wrestlers in a wrestling ring, so let's wrestle. And then the 20-minute match that they had on Monday Night Raw was fantastic. I did not like that it ended in a DQ, but no big deal. You keep those guys safe, and you do what you got to do to move on. Incredible matchup, though. Bobby Lashley versus AJ Styles from the United States Championship was also a plus. They went 25 minutes. Bobby looked amazing. AJ Styles gave just as much as he got. And even though there was some outside interference from The Miz and Tommaso Ciampa, Bobby Lashley going over a veteran like AJ Styles was the right move. It was a great matchup, and it added to an already great night of action. And then we go to Austin Theory versus Dolph Ziggler. This was a lot like a, almost a, I want to say teacher versus student, but I know Dolph didn't teach Austin Theory, but it was like the new guard facing the old guard. There were a lot of great moments in this matchup. Austin Theory looked great. Dolph Ziggler looked amazing as, as usual. And the finish was unbelievable because he literally, by he, I mean Austin Theory, he got out of Ziggler's finisher, put on his uh, A-Town down, got the win, and Mr. Money in the Bank continues to roll on and back up what he's saying in the ring with all of the BS that he's saying on the outside of the ring. The Judgment Day promo was fantastic, in my opinion. Uh, Rhea Ripley, uh, Damian Priest, and Finn Balor are doing a wonderful job. Since they've thrown Edge out of the group, Edge being back now and going to be held able to help evaluate this talent and bring them forward with great matches that he'll have with Finn and with Damian. Seeing Rey Mysterio come out and try to attack them and then it being Rhea Ripley who basically took Rey apart, I enjoyed it very much. Um, I, this, this group as a whole has been great. I wish Edge would have stayed in it, but I understand why they did it and I like where they're going with this whole battle for power between Judgment Day and Edge. And finally, the Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle segment. In my opinion, it was gold. You've got Seth Rollins saying, I know Riddle isn't here. I know you're not here, Riddle. And you're going to, when you do see me, I'm going to stomp your head again. I'm going to injure you. I'm going to take you out. And then Riddle, being the badass that he's been as of late, <coughs> goes ahead and lets Seth fill his, his own head with hot air and then walks out and proceeds to beat the crap out of Seth Rollins and even chases him away into the crowd. So, great matches, a lot of great segments over on Monday Night Raw. <coughs> well done, Monday Night Raw. Over on SmackDown, we had a wow. All I could say is wow vignette from Karrion Cross and Scarlett. Karrion Cross when he is cutting a promo, especially if it's something that's been pre-taped, and they can give him that ominous background, that look and that feel, is just... It's top of the top of the hill right now. That was superb. He blamed Drew 
and Roman for being the chosen ones. He talked about how he was cast aside. Very biblical, very old-timey, nice throwback promo vignette by Karrion Cross. Toxic Attraction versus Natalia and Sonya Deville. I enjoyed hearing that Nikita Lyons and Zoe Stark were not going to be in this tournament anymore. I believe that they kayfabed both of those injuries that they put on Zoe and Nikita because the fans were kind of outcrying. You know, you have a women's tag team title tournament going on and you bring in an NXT tag team and you make it a makeshift tag team who have never been with each other before. Why not put it on the two-time four more women's champions? So Toxic Attraction makes their main roster debut. It was a really good knockdown dragout fight. I liked it the way that Gigi and JC changed spots in the match with that blind tag. Natalia thought she had it won, but Gigi and JC pull a fast one and Toxic Attraction moves on in the women's tag team titles battle royal. Uh, and then we go to an absolutely speechless five-man fatal four-way match. Now, I'm going to talk about it, obviously, but while I was watching this match, all I kept thinking was, is, wow, they're getting a crazy amount of time. This is unbelievable. I, I, I'm so happy that Triple H realized these five men couldn't just do this in 10 minutes. They got 39 minutes of total television time for this fatal five-way. Ricochet was all over the place. Riddick Moss was actually showing us uh, that he stepped up his game. Baron Corbin was not being his normal obnoxious self and actually playing a great heel. Sheamus looked like he was back to his old ways. And Sami Zayn playing the martyr was pretty damn good. Sheamus winning and now going one-on-one with uh, Walter at the Clash of the Castle in Cardiff for the Intercontinental title. That is going to be one hard-hitting match, and I cannot wait to see it. And finally, the Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns segment to end the show. Well done. Drew calling out Roman, saying that he's not there, that he's doing a disservice to the world world heavyweight title and the universal title. Roman trying to put Drew down, but Drew telling him that he sees fear in his eyes. Very well done by the WWE here. I I enjoyed everything that they did between these two men uh, on SmackDown. And the show as an entirety was uh, fantastic. So, with that being said... I hope you guys like the highlight reel. I hope that you guys will continue to enjoy it until I have time to fully get in reviews for Raw and SmackDown. But if there's anything that you'd like to see changed with the, uh, you know, highlight reel or something else added, let me know. I'm always down to uh, get some constructive criticism from my fans and listeners and my friends. So with that being said, it's now time for our show reviews. We're going to start off with NXT 2.0 Heat Wave. And just a reminder that if you smell what the yard is cooking, is brought to you by the We Can't Wrestle podcast and WrestleMet Radio. So, WWE NXT Heat Wave. What a show, ladies and gentlemen, from top to bottom. One of the best NXT episodes I have watched in a long time. The opening vignette with Paul Heyman's voiceover was amazing and made it feel like an old school ECW show. And obviously that was what they were trying to do here because of the name. ECW Heat Wave was a very popular pay-per-view back in the day and I enjoyed it. 
Opening matchup, Carmelo Hayes takes on Giovanni Vinci. We are welcomed into the arena and go straight to the ring for our opening matchup for the North American title. Hayes and Vinci put on a showcase of great wrestling action, and Giovanni Vinci really showed me that he's improved a ton. Vinci's top rope moonsault was so unexpected and got the fans on their feet. Of course, Trick Williams got involved more than once, and distracted. the distraction allowed Carmelo to stop Vinci's momentum. Hayes reversed a powerbomb and picked up the win in one hell of a 20-minute battle. Great opener here, folks. We then heard from the Diamond Mine, and Brutus Creed had finally had enough of Roderick Strong. Roddy tried to calm down his team, but the Creeds weren't having it, and from out of nowhere, Gallus attacked the Diamond Mine. The former NXT UK Tag Team Champions are now here in NXT 2.0 and have left, left a message inside the ring. We go back to the ring for Cora Jade and uh, Roxanne Perez. I would have liked them to get more time and to tell a better story than they have already, but it was still good. Perez stopped Jade every chance she got, but then her emotions took over. Roxanne grabbed the kendo stick and was about to take out Cora, but she had a change of heart. This moment allowed Jade to take over, deliver a DDT on the kendo stick, and get the win in 10 minutes. What's next for the former best friends? Is Cora going to move on? Will Roxanne still look for revenge? We'll have to wait and find out. Robert Stone promises that Von Wagner will be back and take everyone in NXT 2K uh, 2.0 out. We then go to McKenzie with Briggs, Jensen, and Fallon. And before they could say anything, uh, Gallus interrupts and they exchange pleasantries with Briggs and Jensen. The producers and security pull everyone apart and we are now know why Gallus is here in NXT 2.0. It's to get back the NXT UK tag team titles. Tony D and Santos Escobar then had their Falls Count Anywhere matchup. These two waged war and four all around the ring, both inside and out. Stax tried to get involved, but Legato made sure to take him out. They left Tony and Escobar to go back and forth and use everything they could to get their hands on as weapons. Tony D took out Electra by mistake, and both he and Santos went back inside the ring. After a back and forth exchange, we saw both men get their weapons of choice. Escobar tried to use his brass knuckles, but Tony D hit him with a vicious crowbar shot and got a huge win at the 22-minute mark. This win sends Santos Escobar out of NXT 2.0, but could he be headed to the main roster? And what will we see with Legato now in Tony D's crew permanently? We then go backstage where Indy Hartwell is wishing Cater and Caden the best of on their women's title reign. And... She says there's more to come because it's just begun. Indy receives a piece of mail, and it's apparently from Dexter Loomis, which makes her smile. From out of nowhere, Blair, Blair Davenport of NXT UK appears and takes Hartwell's note. She rips it and introduces herself to Indy. Is NXT UK taking over tonight, ladies and gentlemen? We're going to have to wait and find out. Mandy Rose and Zoe Stark go one-on-one -on -one now for the women's title. And again, this one was a little short, but still good. Stark used her power and speed to outsmart the women's champion, but Rose kept coming back, and we've seen this from her before, ladies and gentlemen. She is a feisty champion. Rose continued to battle back and win with a little help from her toxic attraction friends and was able to surprise Starks and, in my opinion, get an upset win in 10 minutes. I thought Zoe was due for a huge push, but Mandy has a tight grip on the title, and I don't mind it, I'll be honest. Before the main event, we get vignettes uh, for both the champion and challenger. Uh, the quick history that Braun and JD have had. Both men are dead set on leaving Heatwave with the NXT Heavy.
Heavyweight Championship. So we go to the ring. Main event time. Braun Breaker taking on McDo. Uh, in an extreme fierce battle for 25 minutes, the champion overcame severe neck pain and his determined challenger to triumph yet again on NXT. He had to strike McDo with three devastating spears and a military press to secure the win on the night and reclaimed his NXT title. JD proved his worth and he did everything he could, but the heart and determination of Breaker is what pushed him through. Great main event as well. And post-match, NXT UK champion Tyler Bate crashed the celebration of NXT champion Braun Breaker and both men went face-to-face to end the show. I don't know what's going on, but I really, really like it. Heatwave was an absolutely incredible show. NXT 2.0 needs to do this with their two hours every week. I'm giving this week a five out of five because it's definitely deserved, and I hope this trend continues from NXT. Now we will go to our AEW Dynamite House of Dragons review. And please make sure that you check out Mark's Indie Spotlight, the year that was, A Slice in Time, and Reliving the Extreme, right here on the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Network. Going into Dynamite after last week's show, ladies and gentlemen, I I have to be honest, I wasn't that enthusiastic, because if it was going to be another one of those back-and-forth shows, I was really not in the mood for it. But tonight's show gets kicked off by AEW champion CM Punk. He makes his way out to a standing ovation and begins to cut his promo. He challenged Hangman Adam Page to a rematch, but Page didn't answer, and Punk replied by saying, that's not cowboy shit, it's coward shit. He then called out John Moxley and ran down the interim champion. He said that John is not even the first John he's going to beat in Chicago for a world title. He's not even the best uh, world heavyweight champion in the company. He's not even the best guy on his team, talking about the Blackpool Combat Club. John Moxley finally made it to the ring while Punk was doing snow angels in the in the uh, middle of the ring. And they go back and forth on the mic, and then the two had a pull apart. This was a great way to start the show and had the fans buzzing immediately. Tony Schiavone then interviewed Powerhouse Hobbs and asked why he attacked Ricky Starks a couple weeks ago. Hobbs explained that he didn't need friends and that both Starks and the factory would get what's coming to them. We then go to our opening matchup. It's a two out of three falls match between Brian Danielson and Daniel Garcia. This two out of three falls match delivered in every way possible and then some. Garcia is a true student of the game, and Danielson brought that out of him in this matchup. They went reversal for reversal and move for move and continued to try to outdo one another. We saw them tied up at one fall each, and then Danielson turned it into high gear. Both got busted open, uh, and both of their chests were marked up and welting. Danielson finally locked into LaBelle Lock and got the win at the 35-minute mark. What an opening matchup for Dynamite. Post-match, Danielson extended his hand to Garcia, and it looked like he was about to shake it, but Chris Jericho attacked. Jericho beat down Danielson until Garcia pulled Jericho off, and they engaged in a stare-down. Tony Schiavone then interviewed Private Party, Shane Strickland, and Keith Lee. Both teams will battle for the AEW Tag Team titles on Rampage, and both seem ready. Mutual respect is shown. And we may be in for a great tag match this Friday on Rampage. Smart Mark Sterling and Tony Nese were on their way to the ring, but John Moxley took out Nice and hit the ring. He grabbed the mic and told Punk he didn't want to wait to all out to unify the titles and wanted to do it tonight. Punk came running down, but again, we saw a pull apart while the fans chanted to let them go. I agree. Let these two tear each other up. 
It's what they're there for. One's the world champion, one's the interim champion. Why make us wait? Tony then interviewed Jericho next and asked about Daniel Garcia. Jericho challenged Garcia to meet him face-to-face next week and tell Jericho whose side he's on. Ricky Steamboat showed up and tells Jericho to leave Garcia alone. But Chris isn't having it, told Steamboat off and walks off. One of Jericho's cronies gets into Steamboat's face, but Ricky takes him down with the chop to end the segment. The gun club then took on the Varsity Blondes. This one was was really short, and I mean like blink and you didn't know it was over like I did. Colton hit a Colt 45 on Griff, and it was over within two minutes. Why? Post-match, Billy Gunn praises his sons, but Stokely Hathaway shows up, and the boys beat down their own father. The Acclaim make the save and chase the ass boys off. We see a scissor with Billy Gunn, and now I know why the match was so quick, because they wanted to get this segment in. Jungle Boy was out next and continued his challenge to Christian. He wants to match it all out, but Christian arrives and says no. Christian tried to play mind games with Jungle Boy, saying that he was proud of him and that he was like a son to him, but Jungle Boy did not buy into it and snapped. He beat the hell out of Christian and still wants his match it all out. Good for him. Luchasaurus is out because he's been suspended after taking out Pat Buck last week. It's basically just Jungle Boy all by himself, so let him beat the hell out of Christian whenever he gets a chance. Tony Storm then take on, took on Killin King. Pretty good match, uh, back-and-forth matchup here. Probably Tony's best outing in AEW. King has been great in Impact and NWA, so seeing her in AEW is no surprise. But she was no match for Tony. We saw Storm Zero, and Tony got the win in 10 minutes. And then it was time for our main event, and we got treated to something unexpected. Los Ingranobles made their way to the ring, and then we were followed by the Young Bucks. Justin Roberts began to announce their partner, and after listing his accomplishments, it was clear Kenny Omega was back, and the fans were on their feet, ladies and gentlemen. That is right, the cleaner, the former AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Kenny Omega is back, and it will be the elite taking on Los Ingranobles in our main event. The Bucks, Rush, Dragon Lee, and Andrade all hit some phenomenal moves in the early going, and we even saw the Bucks hit a super kick party. Omega tagged in, and he and Dragon Lee lit one another up. Omega hit a plancha to the floor, and it sent Lee out into the crowd. We saw a three-way super kick party to Rush, and the Elite had a clear advantage. Andrade made a comeback for his team, and he and Rush hit their double-team finish, but it wasn't enough. Lee tagged back in. Omega turned him around and hit a one-week angel to get the win and advanced his team in the trios tournament at the 20-minute mark. Great main event. Post-match, Rush and Andrade beat down Dragon Lee and removed his mask, blaming him for the loss. The show goes off the air with the Elite coming back to help Lee. Just like NXT, AEW delivered and put on a great episode. After the last couple of weeks, I was losing hope. I have to be honest. I'm giving AEW a 4 out of 5 here, and here's why. The microwave tag match, the tease of the unification match, and way too many pull-aparts gave NXT the edge. But it was still a great dynamite, great week of wrestling action, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. And why not? The summer's coming to an end. We might as well get the best out of the way and make sure that we are ready to get into uh, Survivor Series uh, month. WrestleMania and Royal Rumble season. It's about that time, folks. So, with that being said, it is now time for our final segment of the evening, and that is What Grinds My Gears. And uh, one last reminder, please make sure that you check out the We Can't Wrestle podcast, the staple, the one that got us here. Nate Maxson's baby, 
here on WrestleNet Radio and the We Can't Wrestle Podcast Network. And yes, this is Grinds My Gears, ladies and gentlemen. You noticed I've changed formats a little bit here. And that was at the behest of my brother who told me, you know, switch it up a little bit. Make it a little more fun. That's what I'm doing here, ladies and gentlemen. But what grinds my gears, it can't be fun because this is when I finally start to spew. This is when the hatred comes out because it's something that's pissing me off or something I did not like about the week's word of action. So here's go. here goes. Number one, the Roundy, Ronda Rousey segment from SmackDown. I understand that Ronda Rousey is a badass. I know she's the baddest woman on the planet. I know what she's done in UFC. Hell, I was a fan of her in UFC. But this whole she's going to explode every time things don't go her way. She's going to put an arm bar on a male or a female wrestler, cop, security guard, a producer. It's very Ken Shamrock-like, and I'm not buying it from her. You know, her getting arrested this week on SmackDown was kind of corny. The cops that they used had on USA uh, police officer badges. They were not Canadian badges, which they were in Canada this week. The female cop was way too made up to be a female police officer. And Rhonda just wasn't coming off all that badass when she was saying what she was saying to Adam Pierce. What I'm saying is, is that this was a bullshit segment. I understand they want to keep Rhonda on TV, and I understand that Liv Morgan is busy with Shayna Baszler, but then have Rhonda feud with somebody else. She doesn't have to feud with the champion. Just like with Charlotte Flair, I said this a few months ago, with Charlotte Flair, it doesn't always have to be a title involved in order to make it special. It's just BS, and it doesn't need to be happening. Rhonda Rousey coming out and demanding that her suspension getting lifted does nothing for her. Her beating up countless security guards and beating up uh, producers is not going to do anything for her. It's making these segments look bad, and they're overdone and overly drawn out. Now, I want you to understand something. I'm not bitching just for the sake of bitching. A lot of people said this segment was weak all over online this last few days. And I'm not just agreeing with the masses. When I first saw it, I said, okay, I get it. It's kind of Ken Shamrock mixed with a little bit of Stone Cold. And I get that we all like the Attitude Era, but guess what? We've seen this segment from her being arrested before when her and Charlotte and Becky Lynch had to pull apart. We've seen her beat up producers before. We've seen her break the arm of people that don't need their arm broken before. It's all getting tired. You need you need to do something new with your pet project that is Ronda Rousey or send her home, allow her to be a mom, allow her to be a normal woman. She doesn't need to be a wrestler if this is all you're going to do with her every single time. It's bullshit. I'll say it again. It's bullshit. Secondly, the Maximum Male Models and Hit Row segment. My God, how bad was that? Now, I know I praised Hit Row coming back last week, and I said thank you to Triple H for bringing them back. But the last thing I expected was what we got from them this week. Firstly, you ruined a great character like L.A. Knight and made him Max Dupree, a male model agent. And then you introduced his sister, Maxine Dupree, and you made us think that maybe Max Dupree was gone and she was taking over, but no, now we got both of them. That's fine. You, you got Mace and you got Mansoor. They're uh, obviously known by other names. I'm not even going to attempt to say them. That's stupid in itself. But then you had them come out and they're doing their thing. 
and then here comes hit row. Okay, I get it. Three on three, you know, you get Maxine Dupree and the models against BFAB and, uh, you know, the, the hit row guys. Great. I like it. But no, you had hit row totally destroy the maximum male models, which I hope is the ending. Or I hope once the hit row squad beats them in a match, maybe that ends this stupid thing. We get LA Knight back and maybe we get Maxine Dupree with hit row because she was dancing to them. But after that was done, the stupidity of that, killing off this new gimmick quickly and going to these guys, you have Hit Row perform a live rap for eight minutes. Eight damn minutes of three people who can barely rap, rapping about something that has nothing to do with wrestling and saying the same thing they said last week, but only in rap form. My God, I feel like an old man who's sitting there going, rap schmap. I feel like Kurt Henning. In WCW, rap is crap. It was horrible. Okay, AEW has the acclaimed who do it fantastic. But here we go. We got the Hit Row Squad with B-Fab and Top Dollar and Ashanti and all that shit and whatever the hell their names are. And they're rapping about nothing. Stop with the bullshit segments. Give us actually good segments. Or if you're going to give us something like this, square it down, chop it down to four minutes. I don't want to see this for eight minutes. My DVR literally didn't know if it should keep fast-forwarding or not. It doesn't need to happen anymore. Triple H, I know you've only been there a little while, and you're doing a fantastic job. I've loved every, almost everything you've done so far. But when it comes time to creative, and this is something that you see on the, on the books, chop it. Cut it in half. Give us half. We don't need this shit no more. It's not the time or place for it anymore. Filler is not needed. Not when you had a 40-minute banger between five guys who know how to go in the ring. I'm not saying they should have gotten 48 minutes instead of 40, but what I am saying is, is that you could have put in a lot better people that might have done a lot better things in that area, in that segment, or a match that might have made more sense. So with that being said, I want to thank you guys for joining me here on If You Smell What The Arch Is Cooking. Uh, we will be back again next week. Yes, the NWA will return. There may be more to add it to the highlight reel. There may be more added to what grinds my gears and the quick hits. Let me know what you think of the show this week. If you like the little added things in between the segments, if you like the way that we've added a new segment in the highlight reel, and if you want to see more. Until next time, I will see you next week on If You Smell What the Arch is Cooking.